welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, for those who are new, wherever you're watching this, I have a podcast. I'm on YouTube, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I'm Dr. Samaria M. Cobra. <laughs> if you're watching this for the first time, uh, welcome. And if you are returning, welcome. Make sure you subscribe, y'all. It's going to be good. And I'm so close. I think I'm like 105 subscribers away from my thousand. And I would really appreciate it <laughs> if y'all subscribe. Um, so who am I? I am a licensed therapist. I have over 16 years of experience in the mental health field. I'm also an entrepreneur. I own my own private practice where I'm located right now called Kingdom Creative Counseling. I have written over 60 books. I uh, believe in about either 63 or 64. My goal is 100 for the next five to 10 years. Uh, I have training courses and I am uh, grateful how I am different from maybe your average therapist, I give you faith-based principles or I incorporate faith-based principles to bring about lasting change. Everything we talk about today uh, may not necessarily be directly mental health related, but at some point <laughs> uh, it will affect your mental health. You got to hang in positions of power, honey. You are going to have some trouble. Um, and again, a quick announcement, continue to follow me on social media. I believe I'm going to do another one uh, for my therapist. Uh, specifically, or just for people in general, how do you transition from your side hustle uh, to full-time? And I'm grateful to God to have transitioned. I'm a full-time entrepreneur. And uh, and I'm going to tell you my story, my testimony. And it's, again, not meant to brag, but really it is meant to encourage someone else. Um, people think because you're in a mental health field, you got all these degrees or whatever, that you don't need some encouragement in that area. But we do. Uh, in, any, in any genre, we need to transition or we should transition. We feel like we should, but there's fear involved. We uh, got so many things going on in our world and our economy. Sometimes the thing that you desire to always desire all your life to do, uh, you can be discouraged from doing it. So my goal is not to brag or to make myself bigger or better than anyone else, but it's to also just give you insight and to encourage my fellow brothers and sisters and clinicians and people who are not clinicians. Maybe you are just someone who desires to uh, work for yourself, I want to be able to encourage them. But that's going to keep uh, keep keep that on your mind. So make sure you subscribe. It's going to be in November um, that I will talk to you a little bit more about that. I just put that out there because I was so excited. I wanted to wet your whistle, so to speak. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this. So the, the title of our uh, talk today is called Esther's Grace versus Haman's Plot. The, the, uh, the book that I just released as of right now, uh, I've released it on my birthday, <laughs> which is intentional um, because I am Esther. Uh, well, my birthday is on October 13th, but uh, I, I didn't write that book necessarily for me. Uh, but I wanted you to, I just want to release the book then. It, 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 it's a book that speaks a lot um, to uh, how a lot of people are feeling and, and thinking and seeing. And so that book was called Esther's Grace and it is still available and it's a very good book and it's a very good read. And so I will post the links below. You can get a paper copy, you can get a digital copy. Um, it's a powerful book. Uh, the book that I read prior to that, you'll see the series was called Haman's Plot. And in that book, I just described the spirit that exists uh, today that existed back during the days of Esther. And that is those who plot, plan, scheme, scam, and plot their way into position of power, authority, and prominence that God has not ordained for them. And it causes a lot of confusion. It causes favoritism. It causes uh, death and destruction. And so um, prior to that, I did a teaching, which I do encourage you to uh, listen to because it's going to give you a good foundation. I talked about the difference between uh, favoritism versus favor. Um 
And when God favors someone, he has a group of people in mind. He favored Joseph for the sake of a nation. He favored Moses for the sake of a nation. He favored Joshua for the sake of a nation. He favored uh, Esther for the sake of a nation. He favored uh, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, for the sake of us. He favored her. However, uh, there is a difference, is what I said in that teaching, between favor versus favoritism. Man shows favoritism. And it's very dangerous. It is very dangerous, brothers and sisters, to begin to try to force God's favor on something that he has not ordained. And so the complete opposite begins to happen when favoritism is present versus favor causes divisions, causes church splits, business splits, organizational splits, it causes divides in relationships, causes competitiveness among families, uh, causes a spirit of jealousy, envy, and strife. And so if you want to look at where uh, something went down, where there was a divide, it always is attached to something. I curse my brothers and sisters without cause shall not come. It's not the devil trying to always attack us. Sometimes it is us trying to manipulate God's hand. When favoritism is present, God does not endorse it. The oil does not flow. And it is clear to those of us who are mature and have what we call discernment when favoritism is there. And if it continues on, remember it's a little leaven, a little leaven, brothers and sisters, spoils the whole, if it continues on, just pack up, just pack it on up. Cause there, there is a formula watch this for success. Uh, for those who know, I had one of my doctorates is in Christian organization leadership. There's a formula for success in an organization and there's a formula for failure. And then one thing um, that is, there's, there's, I gave you a list of five in this book I call um, learning to lead. But one of those things that is profound is the spirit of favoritism. Jezebel spirit, Haman spirit, Spirit of favoritism. But the other thing that is going to, this is meant to encourage you and is meant to birth us and bring us into a greater revelation that's going to save us. It's going to say, is favor. And it's not the same. So it's really important, those of us who are in positions, that you have to make sure that you acknowledge God. Don't be like a Sammy who's getting ready to anoint the wrong person for the right position. And hear God say, that's not who I have chosen. It looks good. It sounds good, but it ain't God. So I want to tell you, and again, I set preference. I'm not going to go all into detail because that's out there. The book is out there. Um, I'm just going to give you 10 things to know the difference between Esther's grace versus Haman's plot, right? And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for our time today. Hear what the Lord is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying, so that those who are called to build to be great. You can't call something great as mediocre. You cannot technically call favoritism great. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And so we have to, and I was talking to a, a, a powerful woman of God recently, and she said, sometimes uh, when it comes to favoring people and favoritism, you just got to tell folk the truth. It does not mean you don't like them, but sometimes it is better to say this, listen, you are gifted you are talented. You have what it takes. But brothers, but but listen to me as a senior person 
who's walked the walk of life a little bit longer than you. I know I sound old, but I'm in my 40s. It's fine. You're not ready yet. And where you are trying to place yourself is not where God, you are a better fit. Watch this over here, not over here. Sometimes it is better to just tell folk the truth because a little leaven spoils the whole loaf. What you keep allowing is going to spoil what you build. Right? All right, let's talk about Esther. So who was Esther? Uh, now y'all can read the book of Esther in your own time. Love me the Bible. <laughs> I believe you all are interpreted correctly. I believe you all had proper exegesis. Uh, if you were speaking the word, I think we all have proper uh, homiletics. I believe you all have studied the word. Okay, the word has to be the primary thing. So you want to read the book of Esther on your own time? Well, this is not my time to tell you all the book about the book of Esther, okay? Okay, but Esther uh, was chosen to be favored by God. And again, I'm not going to go into detail, Esther. She was the replacement for Vashti. People say Vashti was disrespectful. <laughs> but anyway, the truth of the matter is um, Esther has been had been chosen really at the end of the day by God to save a nation. This is why her cousin uncle, uh, her some people say he was her cousin. Some people say he was her uncle. I believe he was her cousin. Uh, but he raised her and she had no family and no origin because her parents had passed away. But he raised her as his own daughter. And um, um, when 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 uh, it came time to save the nation, one of the most profound things that Mordecai said was, could it be you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this? And so I don't like to get to the semantics about personal Vashti versus Esther and all that kind of stuff, because to me, it's irrelevant to the text. Uh, what we do understand was that Esther was selected first and foremost by God. She endured the process. And she was called into the kingdom for such a time as this. One thing I talked about as I was writing that book, Esther's Grace, the Lord spoke to me and he said, the reason why Esther became so great, the reason why uh, we celebrate her today was because she was obedient, even if it was going to cost her. She was not clout chasing. She wasn't trying to get next to the king. She didn't, she wasn't looking for positions of prominence. She just was following the obedience of God. Uh, one thing that the Lord spoke to me, and I won't be before you long, um, God has... Um, spoke to me some powerful uh, visions and everything that I have, uh, usually God is kind of, he says, he, he says, I'm taking you to this place, but I'm going to prepare you. So he gave me some visions and I said, God, well, what's my next step? And he said, just keep being consistent. And I said, God, am I supposed to go after uh, these particular people that you showed me in the vision? And he said, no, this is what he said. I want you to never forget this. I want you to never in your life forget this. He said, oftentimes Samaria people um, run after great men and women seeking positions of prominence. He said, but I have not chosen them. He said, when I choose you, Samaria, I will send the prophet to you. I'll send the favor to you. And he reminded me according to first sandwich 16. He reminded me of how the prophet Samuel was sent to Jesse's house. Mm -hmm. Then he reminded me of how Elisha was sent to anoint Elisha. Then I, I got real good about those are two examples he gave me because whenever God speaks, remember when you hear God's voice, he is going to always speak through his word. Always. 
He reminded me of when you look at people who are called to great and great positions, great platforms, something, someone found them, the word found them. Mary, an angel came and talked to them, talked to her and said uh, that, that she was favored above women. I don't understand how we think that we can be great and we pursue positions of authority and prominence where we send ourselves and the scripture does not validate or confirm this behavior. When I did one of my doctorates, I talked about, I studied um, development and I did, a, I did a comparative analysis in one of my works where I talked about the difference between um, the secular world and how, and the biblical t uh, context of how we develop leaders and how we develop people. And one of the things we do in the secular world is we run after things. They choose the, the best, the most popular, the one who looks. That's how they choose. Man looks out the outward appearance is what God told uh, first um, um, the prophet Samuel. So that's what they do. But if you're going to operate in a biblical sense and in a kingdom assignment, you have to do it the kingdom's way. And the reason why things don't grow and move and mature, uh, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, the reason why things don't go at the pace that we're going, because we're trying to take a worldly mindset and place it into a kingdom understanding and do it the king and do it the world's way, trying to bring about the kingdom assignment. So Esther did not pursue favor. And one that I talked about, I broke this down in the book, Esther's Grace. I'm going to post the link below, but it's available everywhere uh, online. <laughs> We're not in Barnes and Nobles, honey. We're not in Walmarts yet. Yet. Um, people think that that Mordecai had this conversation with Esther. And, she, and he said, listen, I want you to go. They had this decree that they, the king is looking for a new wife. And I need you to go and volunteer. That's not what happened. After Vashti decided that she was not going to obey the king and she was uh, a bit dishonorable, uh, of course, she was going to be re replaced because you cannot uh, occupy positions of uh, of um, a prominence next to a great man of God if you were dishonorable. Okay, and so as uh, Vashti, no matter how you felt about her, was not uh, it was not an honorable uh, queen, and so she had to be replaced. And so and so, but the, but there was decree. So the king sought counsel from his wise counselors, and they said, "This is what we're going to do. This is what we advise, King. We advise that you go and you seek another uh, person to re replace uh, uh, Vashti." And uh, and he did that. Uh, a decree went out that the king was looking for such a person, uh, and so it says according to scripture that his 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 um his his I can't call it his staff his role, uh, um um. Folks, they went looking for women and he they brought them in. Esther was one of the women that were brought in. She did not go and volunteer her services saying, listen, I would like to fill out my application to be next in line. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, misconceptions uh, about the book of Esther is that we think Esther uh, had it in her mind. I, I believe I ought to be next in line for this queen uh, a, a, a position. So let me go ahead and volunteer. She never volunteered. They went and found her and brought her to the queen. <laughs> they went and found her and brought her to the king's house to be amongst the number of women that could possibly have been chosen. And this is why when you read the book of Esther, uh, Mordecai being the uh, father-like role, even though he was really her cousin, was very protective. He was constantly stayed uh, at the queen, the king's court, constantly stayed in contact with her, gave her wise instructions of what to do, what not to do, because he was still being an overprotective or a protective father, even though he had no control of her being brought to the king's palace.
And I hope we clarified that. So favor, watch this, is going to find you. You don't go searching for favor. Any favor that you got to go search for, you just have to be obedient to the process. And that's what Esther did. Haman, on the other hand, had got put in position of authority. He was second in command to the king. Now, we don't know how Haman got uh, put in that position, but we can uh, uh, rightfully, by, the, by didactic reasoning, know that Haman more than likely got put in that position through manipulation, uh, through ill motives, through deception, and through some type of demonic agenda. How do we know that? Because when you read the book of Esther, and I'm, I'm just breaking it down, I'm not going to read it for you. I would encourage you, look at the spirit by which he's operating in. Manipulation, seeking power. He was a part of the uh, Amalekites. And if you, again, I'm looking through history, Haman had a, a agenda against the people of God from the very beginning. Uh, and so he had a hidden agenda anyway, okay? And so Haman's always had hidden agendas. They always are seeking positions of promise. These are your modern day clout chasers. You will find these in any organization. It's the, it's the person that's trying to get, is trying to be seen, heard. Uh, they are trying to, uh, they're being, trying to be seen basically. And so they're trying to get next to the supervisor and, and they're doing the absolute most. They, they are attention seekers. And so at some point, Heyman's plot uh, did get him in positions uh, of authority, a promise that he did not belong, nor should, nor should he have been in the first place. But remember, God always has the inside man. There's always an Esther in every organization, in every church, in every ministry, in every business that you're trying to build. You will find people, which is why it's really important for us to have this discussion today. You will find people who have a Haman's agenda, some more than others. Haman's was, was severely demonic. Some people just think they're doing the right thing, but they're going about it in the wrong way. If you look at Psalm 37, uh, around about the First verse, give me one minute. Um, and this is going to be, I'm reading mine from my New King James Version. Uh, the Bible talks about, according to Psalm 37, verse 1, there's a difference between those who are workers of iniquity and those who do wrong. When you are workers of iniquity, you have a hidden agenda. You have a pattern of being demonic. Haman was a workers of iniquity. However, uh, you can generally have the right idea. And you can have a, a pure heart, but you're going about it in the wrong way. And so those are, those are two different things. Um, either way, <laughs> God said, don't worry about wrongdoers and workers of iniquity. He broke them down. Okay. And so Haman was a workers of iniquity because he had a hidden agenda. But again, I want you to clarify this. And I want to um, say this again. You will always have people, particularly if you are being spirit led um, and, and bred, you will always have people who have hidden agendas. It's not a matter of being upset and going through all kinds of changes and all that kind of stuff. But again, you will always have people who are not motivated by the vision, the mandate of whatever it is that you're trying to build. Okay. You always have, they were mandated by, if I get next to this person, which is what Haman's agenda was, then I can be next and you can worship me. That was, it is the hidden desire to be seen, to be known and to be put in position of thought because we are seeking significance and people, which is what I wrote a book. And I'm, I always kind of quote back the different books that I've written because I have written them. <laughs> and um, and sometimes I just like to quote back because it makes it, it kind of it's befitting. Well, I wrote a book called Broken Trying to Leave, a huge book, long series. Um, but one thing I wrote in that book was how when I was preparing to write that book, God says, Samaria, oftentimes people seek positions of prominence because they're searching for significance watch as they get a faulty sense of confidence based upon who they know and what they can accomplish and then being next to somebody here's where the problem is because at some point 
it's nothing wrong with having confidence, but you should, your confidence should be in God. And this is why when God is getting ready, which is what I talked about in Esther's grace, when God is getting ready to really develop you into greatness, he hides you first and he hides you in obscurity. And oftentimes those people who have Haman's plots and have Haman's agendas against you or against God or, or just are not in the fit that they're supposed to be at, they end up getting the, the roles first. And the reason why is because they know how to manipulate. You know, they had, they had their marketing strategies. They know how to call for meetings. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so in Psalm 37, um, uh, this is my new King James version, but the New Living Translation says uh, something similar. The NIV says wrongdoers and workers of iniquity, but um, 37, do not fret of evil doors, nor be envious of workers of iniquity. He gave us two different definitions. There's evil doors and there's workers of iniquity. Why did he say that? And I want you to be encouraged because if you listen to this, you will really ask his grace if you've gotten this far. Because this says, verse two, for they shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. See, when you are, whether you have good motives, or bad motives, when you have an agenda and you're trying to place yourself in positions prominent that is not of God, God himself will cut you down. According to scripture, it says you shall wither like the grass. But, but when we trust in the Lord, he, uh, he says, trust in the Lord, verse three, and do good, dwell in the land, delight yourself in the Lord. So what happens is he will bring down Haman's and the hidden agendas and the spirits of pride, and he will bring up Esther. And this is where we get Esther's grace, right? As I went through that, let us talk about this a little bit more than we'll be done for the day. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Esther, watch this. What's the difference between Esther's grace and Haman's plot? Esther, uh, end up for those who end up being positioned uh, for the for the queenship, she ended up becoming the queen's wife. Haman still had the position. If you look at Haman, if you look at Esther, she was the queen's wife. If you look at a Jezebel, so Jezebel is a female version of a Haman. Okay, uh, and Haman is a male version of this demonic agenda. They had the same position. Jezebel and Esther had the same position. Esther was motivated by right motives to save a nation. Uh, Jezebel or Haman's are motivated by the demise of a nation. Big difference. Same position, different motive. Watch this. So Esther's grace saves a nation. Whenever God favors you, it is for the sake of other people. And most of the time, because when the oil flows on you, it is visible to other people. Not how you shout, not how you howl, not how you hoop, not. God endorses it with his power. God told me this one time. He said, Samaria, you cannot manufacture my anointing. You cannot manufacture my authority. You cannot manufacture boldness. So oftentimes people howling, hooping, squalling. Okay. <laughs> now that there's any wrong with it. And there's no power behind it. And most of the time there's not. It's really because they have no God. They're trying to operate in a place outside of God's authority. You don't have authority for that. So, uh, so, but Esther's grace, which is it a grace, was an anointing. And when you can see it on someone, it draws other people in. Listen to that. Go, go back and watch that one. I talk about favor versus favoritism. Esther's grace saves a nation by Haman's plot. Jezebel's plot is a demonic agenda sent to destroy a nation. If you've ever had anything go awry, split anything like that, look for who had the spirit of a Jezebel or the spirit of a Haman. If you are, you okay, so you get what I'm saying. Okay, point number two, Esther's grace is about a kingdom pursuit, a kingdom assignment, and a kingdom purpose. 
It's not about myself. This is why the word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If I'm seeking God's kingdom, it's going to be everything else I desire in life. My car, the house, the prominence, the positions, the husband, the, I mean, if you are a guy, the wife is going to be added to you as you're seeking to pursue your, pursue your kingdom assignment. I was listening to another uh, uh I, not another. He's not not up. Apostle, uh, his, his Apostle Woods, and he talks about how God hides the people you assign to, uh, assigned to in plain sight, and as you're doing the assignment, then He'll connect you with the right people. Okay, and that is absolutely true. So it's not about us. When you have Esther's grace, you're not sitting there thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna be next to the King." Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. We don't care about none of that. It's about the kingdom's work. Haman, watch this, is really about self-ambition, self-promotion. Whenever you got somebody that is trying to be seen, they are trying to get attention, particularly from great men and women of God. They are trying to occupy positions and they got to be all, the, all doing the absolute most. That's a Haman right there. Again, remember there's levels to Haman. Hey, the Haman that you see may not necessarily be on level 10, but it's still there. And a little leaven is going to spoil the whole loaf. The more that Haman continues to be allowed there, I'm telling you, it's only going to get worse. It's like a cancer. And I mean that respectfully, it's going to get worse regardless of what it looks like. Now we know Haman got into this position through manipulation. So he didn't, he didn't, he didn't appear to be everything that he became, not he didn't become, he didn't, he didn't show his whole hand basically. Okay. So Haman is based upon selfish ambition, selfish motives, greed, retaliation, and evil desire to be put in positions of authority and trying to manipulate the hand of God. So sometimes the reason why people cannot manipulate, uh, the uh, people often, if they cannot manipulate God's time, they are so relentless, they'll try to manipulate people. And this is why you and I must be people who are motivated, but who have discernment. Stop looking at what outward appearance to be. Everyone that flatters you is not sent from God. Everybody that pretends to be humble is not really, there is such thing as false, false humility. But if you're only looking through the eyes of what you can see, you'll mess up every time. Okay. Esther's grace, watch this, is God's selection. It is God favoring someone, as I stated, to then save and bring other people. And so when Esther's grace comes in, your anointing, even if you're not Esther, your anointing, your assignment, your purpose is awakened in you because now Esther's there. Remember, if you read the book of Esther at the beginning of the book, the whole nation began to celebrate their freedom because Esther was there. Haman is self-centered. It is based upon, so Esther is based upon favor Haman, Haman is best of a favoritism, man's manipulation. So the only thing Haman was, talk, was talking about was his own position. If you really look at this text again, Haman's conversation that he was having about uh, the king and about Mordecai and about him, it was all about him with, with the position that he was getting ready to put in, how he was being, how he, he desired to be celebrated. It was never about the people, that it was never about the position next to the king to actually be a counselor to the king. It was about him and building his business and his ministry and his uh, brand. It was never about the people. And that's another way you can discern a Haman. It's not about everyone else. It's not about advocating for everyone else. Like, like Esther's grace, it's about them. So we got to get to a place where you, you know, you, 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 my, my, my grandma used to say, listen, baby, listen, listen, a hard head 
makes a soft butt. And simply means that we got to get to a place in our lives where we stop trying to do it our own way. If the scripture says there is a way that seems right to a man, but leads to destruction, that's what it means. If the scripture says acknowledge God in all your ways and he's going to direct your path, that is exactly what it means. And oftentimes we find ourselves in places and spaces that we should not be because we are doing it our own way. It wasn't the devil, it was me. Okay? And you get to a place where you're like, okay, God, what is your will? And we should, we stop trying to push the hand of God. Cause you, I don't care what it, this is what God told me. And I'm going to say it again. I don't care. He says to me, I don't care what it looks like. He said, I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what they say until this person operates in this level of obedience. Nothing is going to move forward. So you can manipulate people, but you can't manipulate God. Okay. All right. Esther is based upon obedience to whom, not just uh, to Mordecai. So when we talk about typology, typology is a types and symbols that represent the kingdom. So even though you don't see God saying, you don't, you don't see a uh, 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 great worship of God in Esther, you, you, you see, and as far, but you see the types and the symbols of it. So Esther is representing of, of, of the kingdom of God, but Mordecai is representing of Jesus and how it gives us divine instructions. Esther represents obedience. Haman's represent dishonor, disobedience, and again, uh, and dishonor. God will never raise anybody in dishonor. And sometimes people, again, you can appear to be honorable in front of people, but God knows down the things you keep trying to do that. And I told you not to do that. I told you not to go there. I told you don't do that. I have told you multiple times to go over there. Why are you over here? Right? This is one thing God told me about, uh, oh, what year is it? Four years ago, three years ago. He said, Samaria, don't worry about it. He said, because I know how to orchestrate circumstances so people can fall in line with my will. At the end of the day, God knows what he's up to. So don't get up discouraged when you see Haman. Just know there is Esther. Point number five, Esther gets, Esther is God's secret weapon. This is why she's hidden in plain sight because she is God's secret weapon. Haman, however, is, the enemy's secret plot. What is a plot? It is a scheme. It is a scam. And it is a fraud. It's a counterfeit anointing. That's Haman's. But Haman is, but Haman does not appear to be, Haman appear to be dedicated and for you and all that. Because remember, if you read the text in Esther, Esther, excuse me, very carefully, conversation that Haman was having with, with his wife and his friends were very different from the conversation that he was having in front of his wife. I mean, if, ooh, I'm sorry, in front of the King Hertza. Very different. Very different. But Esther's uh, uh, conversation uh, was was in line with still the King's heart and, and the King's will while still being in line with the people of Israel and them needed, needed to be saved. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was very similar. She was not backbiting to get in positions. Some... Mm, let me not. <laughs> Let's get going. Point number six, Esther represents courage under fire, obedience and endurance despite fear and pain. But submitted to the assignment, Haman represents rebellion and witchcraft. 
Haman represent rebellion and witchcraft. One thing God told me, Samaria, I never, I do not endorse rebellion. I do not endorse sin. I do not see. I wrote a book, and I'm just I'm telling you another book I wrote called Growth That Abound. You can go to my website at, at samariacobra.com and I will really um some of these books that you may want to uh, pick up are there, whether it be digital or uh paperback. See, uh, and I, I wrote a book called Grace That Abounds. I talk about the difference between grace. And so grace is often taught now as uh, you can just do whatever you want. And the reason why people actively disobey God, because they think that grace allows me the green light to actively disobey God. This is why you got people who actively disobey God, didn't turn around <laughs> and keep shouting, speaking in tongues and running around the church. And you are an act of disobedience because they have a wrong appropriation of grace. And don't what you worry because God will get a hold of these people. You you cannot actively disobey God and say, I got grace on it. God, can't anybody judge me? God will judge you, okay? Uh, uh, point number seven, uh, Esther's grace comes through humility. There's a scripture that talks about humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will elevate you in due season. So Esther represents humility that comes before humility, the spirit of humility that comes before promotion. Uh, you're never going to be promoted in pride. But Haman represents pride. Remember, pride comes before promotion. I mean, ooh, ooh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I get tongue-tied. Pride comes before destruction is what I mean. Pride comes before destruction. So humility is what comes before you're being promoted to your next level. And sometimes God will allow us to do like what we did with Paul um, when he allowed us to have that thorn in our side so that we can be, uh, so that we won't be uh, um, 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 lifted up in pride because of the revelation that God is giving us. And so um, before you are promoted to your next level, you may have to go through a season of tough times, of seasons of feeling like you're being humiliated, feeling like you're being embarrassed, but any type of tough sign that's going to humble you. And then God is going to promote you after that. Once you stay faithful, Haman represents pride and it represents most people have a Haman spirit. They don't wait on God. And so they start pursuing uh, things outside the will of God or doing their own way to manifest God's promises of their life. And they end up walking into a spirit called pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Destruction and, and you know, the, the Bible broke that thing down. Uh, destruction versus the fall. So you're not going to fall you're gonna be utterly destroyed, then you're gonna fall. That's a whole other, that's a whole other teaching right there. All right, we're almost done, y'all. Point number eight. Effort, Esther's represent faithfulness in secret to be rewarded openly. Some of us have to master the art of shutting up. That means this: you have to know when God reveals and releases things to you, you don't reveal it to people right away. It, you have to learn how to shut up. This is why Mordecai advised Esther, don't reveal who you are right now, Esther. Give it time. And then so she didn't release, she didn't reveal who her nationality was until it was time. Because God gives us a strategy. Okay. Haman's represents secret agendas to be exposed publicly. Haman's represents secret agendas to be exposed publicly. God will always expose evildoers and workers of iniquity. Now, if you're an evildoer and your heart is in the right place, but you're going about it in the wrong way, he's exposing it so you can turn and repent, okay? However, he will also expose workers of iniquity who just have hidden agendas anyway. 
Okay, your your evil hidden agendas and your and your people who have a, a workers of iniquity eventually get put under a microscope because it is exposed. And remember, God does not need people's help to expose. He does that himself. He gives them grace to be able to make it right to repent before he exposes them. But God will expose according to scripture. And the scripture says everything hidden, there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed. We think positive things, my purpose, my destiny, who I am. I'm my, no, no. It says everything. Now, then say some things. So everything can. So that's why in your hidden time, you got to have an integrity. In your hidden time, you have to be honest. Treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Because everything hidden, good, bad, or in between, is going to be exposed. Now, do you want your uh, the, the, the ugly side of things exposed? Then behind closed doors, be integral. Because God will expose it. Okay, now, now I talked about in my last teaching, gossip rumors and smear campaigns. I talked about that. But that's not the same as God exposing. Sometimes people do that because they're trying to stop the plan of, go of God uh, from coming forth in your life. So I'm not talking about people just start up stuff and, and people just come up and go to the internet and just do, do the absolute. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, when God exposes you, which is different when people try to expose you. Okay. When people try, they end up, God ends up only uh, making your enemies your footstool. He prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. He only uses it for your elevation. When man do it, uh, so when God does it, he uses it for your elevation. When man does it, they use it for your demise. But remember, when it's man, no, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. Didn't say weapons won't form, said they won't prosper. Okay, a few more things here. Esther's grace. Remember, grace is God's gift to man. But remember, the Bible also says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So Haman's is not a gift. It is the manipulation of seeking manipulation, power, and control. That is what Haman's do. Esther is love. It is God's love displayed to man to save a nation. Haman is a demonic agenda sent from Satan. It is based upon hate. It's based upon hate. And it is uh, Satan's agenda to bring so much hate and division into the world, into your church, into your ministries, into your life, into your families, where it causes division and it annihilates or destroys. There's a difference. At the end of the day, Haman is a wolf in sheep's clothes. Okay? Uh, so what is a wolf? It is a spirit. Whenever you uh, read about a wolf, um, God says, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves or lambs amongst wolves. Remember, uh, what a wolf is, which is very different from a sheep. A, a, a wolf is based on greed. This is the Haman is habitual seduction, harshness meant to devour. It's meant to seduce or to lure you away. When someone's trying to seduce you, they're trying to lure you away. Now there's different ways to seduce someone. It could be a sexual thing, but you can, you can try to seduce someone through flattery, gaslighting, manipulation. There's more than one way to seduce someone. Uh, through uh, faulty promises that you don't have the capacity to deliver. Uh, uh, so there's more than one way to seduce someone, but Haman is a representative of a spirit of seduction. Okay. And that scripture that I quoted was uh, Luke 10, three. It says, now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. That's Luke 10, three. And again, so the reason why we have to be aware of this is not so we can be like tripping and, and so that you know, when God sends you out, wherever he sends you out, when, wherever he sends you forward in your business, in your ministry, in your churches, in your life and your family, you're going to be a sheep or a lamb amongst wolves. There's a difference. 
It means to us. So Haman rep represents uh, the luring away away from God. It represents the enticement. It means to bring someone under your control. It means to deceive through charming means. It means to hypnotize mind control, beguile, which is to deceive. And it means to take captive. Okay. And so whenever you have someone that has a, a Haman spirit, you are looking for these types of things. And there's more, but those are the ones I want to highlight. Last thing, when someone's a sheep, okay, Esther was called to lead, okay, the, they, they, will, they will have the fruit of the spirit. So a sheep or lamb means meekness, gentleness, and innocence. So if you are called to something, you don't have to be like, oh, dog, and doing the absolute most, you can still be meek. You could be gentle and you could be innocent and that is okay. A lamb also represents kindness, the ability to follow and submit regardless of the circumstances, the ability to endure. Innocence, it means quietness and it means um, submission. Remember, all Hamans are in any situation are wolves in sheep's clothes. So they are wolves pretending to be sheep. All right, y'all, that's it for today. We will continue this on. Make sure you follow me on all social media links. I'm going to post some of the links of the books, but mainly I'm going to post um, uh, the main two that I just released. Well, I'm, I released Esther's Grace last, but prior to that, I'll post those two links below if you're watching this via YouTube. Um, and just check me out at www.samaricobra.com for all of my books I've written close to 63. Um, and you can request speaking engagements and t-shirts and all those things. And I have a blog and all those things. Um, also, if you are interested in some of my trainings, go to www.trainingchristianleader.com or transformingchristianleader.com. It's going to take you to the same website. And then, of course, if you are if you are a leader, I see a lot of leaders in my private practice. And if you have come across in any situation, your family, your life, your relationships, your church, your ministry, your build, your business, and you have come across, I had to deal with <laughs> some type, somebody with a Haman spirit. Uh, the, the, so this is why I say the back door to mental health and your emotional health. You you gonna have you 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 gonna need some therapy, okay? Just to recover it doesn't mean you've done nothing wrong, but just to try to recover from that spirit to try to come against your life and your ministry and your in your in your, 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 your family. You just need therapy and a good wise counselor. And of course, we are available at www.kingdomcreativecounseling.com, North Carolina residents only. We do see people in the office or via telehealth. If you say, well, I'm not located in the state of North Carolina, you can certainly come here and physically be in the office. And if not, just go to www.psychologytoday.com or look on the back of your insurance card. There's always ways to follow. You can get a referral from your primary care physician. There's always ways to find a good uh, Christian licensed mental health therapist, not a licensed coach, uh, not a trauma coach, okay, a licensed mental health therapist, okay? God bless you. We'll be back in the day, another time. Another banger, y'all. It's been real. Blessings.